Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This time on Vet Story, we'll talk about deported veterans and meet Hector Barajas, founder of the Deported Veterans Support House, or The Bunker, in Tijuana, Mexico, and the subject of news stories from around the world. Dan earned him medals for bravery and an honorable discharge. After serving time behind bars, he was deported to Mexico. He was deported to his birthplace, Mexico. I am angry. He is only one of the many who fight for our freedom. Discharged, then discarded. Turn it in a body bag. Now, when I first heard the term deported veteran, it was something that didn't immediately make sense. I mean, how could you be a veteran and get deported? If you serve in the military, aren't you a citizen? And if not, how does that happen? What are the circumstances that lead to somebody being deported? after serving our country. So we were able to find Hector in Mexico and talk to him, and we began the discussion of the deported military veteran with the story of his own military service. Basically, uh, I joined the age, uh, at the age of 17 through the delayed entry program, didn't go active until 18. I served in the 82nd Airborne from 1996 through 99. I re-enlisted and I ended up in Fort Bliss, Texas. I didn't serve in combat. I'm considered a wartime veteran because of my service during 9-11, honorable discharge, and then shortly after my military services when my uh, nightmare, I guess, uh, you know, uh, started. I got in trouble, uh, uh, broke the law, and went to prison for uh, almost two years for a discharge of a firearm and uh, ended up uh, getting deported after I served my prison sentence in 2004. Now, that's it in a nutshell. I kind of want to drill down into some specifics here because we have some time to talk about your case. So you serve and you get out. You're a young guy. How old are you when you get out? Uh, Geez, I was in my early 20s. Uh, You know, I never really thought of exactly how old I was. I was about 24, 25, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But needless to say, you're you, you know you didn't do twenty. You're not a fifty year old man. You're a you're a young guy, and uh, you go back uh, to your neighborhood. Where was your neighborhood? Where are you from? Well, I grew up in Compton, when, but when I got out of Compton, California, but when I got out of the military, I was actually living in El Paso, Texas. So I actually stayed in, in Texas. Okay, young guy grew up in Compton. Now in Texas. Talk to me about the discharge of the firearm. Uh, maybe go back to that day. Yeah, there or was that, the that reason that we don't. Uh, we, I don't get into details because I'm actually in the process of citizenship. 
So my oh, attorneys okay. advised me not to talk about the, the, the incident. I did go to prison, and I, I, I do uh, I take responsibility for uh, pleading guilty to that charge. So, you know, uh, it is what it is in, in respect to that. But, you know, we can't get into details yet. Uh, suffice to say, though, that it was a discretion. It was a crime that you committed, and you did the, and you did your time for. You sort of paid your penance, and feel as though now you're being punished twice. And talk to me about how it ended up being deported. Now, probably about six months after the military that that I got into trouble, and I thought I was going to do my prison time like you know anybody else. This was actually my first time I ever gotten into major trouble, and uh, but. At the end of my prison sentence, I was told that immigration was going to uh, deport me. And I still thought that even when I was in detention, because I was in there for almost a year fighting my case, I thought that I was going to get released. And, you know, I thought, well, my service, you know, they'll take that into account. But, you know, the law is the law. And if you break the law, regardless of whether you're a veteran or not, you can be deported. Mm. Now, to that, I think that that's the crossroads of the story. I want to understand from you. How is it you walked out of service to our country and did not gain citizenship? Sure. So one of the things that we've been seeing with a lot of our veterans that, that are in the similar situation, because I'm not the only one, and it depends on when you served in the military. Uh, some people were promised citizenship. Some guys were told they were, it was going to be automatic. Some guys plain and simply knew that they weren't citizens and they didn't follow up on, on, the, on the process. So it boils down to... Uh, misinformation and again from the military as well as it's really you know the, the, the person has to be responsible as well like I, I at one point I knew I was not a US citizen and it didn't follow through on the on the process so uh, the military is a lot doing a lot better job at it now um, they're actually doing the process of basic training but when I was in nobody ever I you know I still don't have one counseling statement one when I PCS or whenever we were put put in within 18, you know, we had to be in, in, in an airplane within 18 hours, and we had to make sure our, our power of attorney and all these things were done. I was never counseled on citizenship, so I do feel like the military dropped the ball. But then again, you know, it's the responsibility of an ind- individual as well. So um, one of the things that we're trying to do right now is trying to change it so that the military does have a program. It shouldn't be automatic. You should still have, I think you should still have the choice to whether you want, want to become an American or not, a uh, citizen. Uh, but you should be counseled. You should sign on, the, on, on some type of form, uh, you know, informed after, you know, of all the, you know, of, of what you need to do, the process of it. And I was really never informed about it or that you could even be deported. Certainly. Um do you did you not follow through? Do you think out of a sense of fear that you didn't want to tell your officers and your senior your senior enlisted that you were not a citizen? So since uh, the since the Civil War, uh, Abraham Lincoln inducted the draft. So we've been drafting non citizens since the Civil War. We're talking about World War One, World War Two, Korea, and Vietnam. But to to at the current law, you have to in order to. Uh, to serve, you just have to have a green card. So I did have a green card. It wouldn't have mattered if I would have told them, hey, I need to do the process. I just didn't follow through on it. And that was basically, you know, uh, uh, my fault during that time. Uh, do you think there's guys in the military, though, that aren't addressing the issue or aren't following through with their own paper process and beginning this because they are scared to admit that? Or 
exactly. It still falls down to company level. There's certain uh, units that are really good at it, uh, and unfortunately, some units that don't tell their soldiers, "Hey, by the way, do you still have to go through this process? You have to do this," uh, or that they don't help them as well or counsel them on the process. So I think we're still dropping the ball on that. But the military is doing a better job at it, and each year we have about thirty-five thousand. Uh, non-citizens that serve each year. So that's a lot, a lot of people. There should be some pro- program in place throughout the whole military where at some point you're, you're go, you go through classes or, or they counsel you or they, they give you all this information on what you need to do and what the consequences are. Like if you don't get your citizenship, you could end up like this guy, you know, because anything can happen. You could get into a brawl, accident, you know, maybe hit somebody a little bit too hard and then, uh, or you know, get into a fight with a with a wife or DUIs. So it could be simple stuff, you know, that people could get deported for, as well as major stuff like you know, uh, uh, drugs and and violence and, and and those kind of things. I mean, are there other issues behind their possible involvement in crime? Sure. So some of the, one of the, the only patterns that I could that I could see for some because people ask me, well, is there a certain pattern? What I see from the combat vets is that. Uh, a lot of them didn't. They came uh, came back and they didn't cope well, and they started drinking, abusing alcohol, maybe became more violent. So some of the crimes can be attributed to PTSD. And at the same time, they didn't get a get out of jail card. They actually went to prison, had to serve their time. Uh, one of the things that that the that the courts are doing nowadays, and it's implemented in different states, is they actually have veterans courts. So it's like your first offense, and you get you know maybe get into an argument with your wife. You'll have like domestic violence classes instead of going to going to jail. So had veteran courts been implemented for some of the guys, they might have gone to veterans courts and not caught a case. But you know, there's a difference between uh, obviously between like like guys when when they go to drug court, uh, they get you know they get caught with a couple of ounces of weed. Then okay, you go to you know drug counseling instead of going to jail. But then you get somebody that gets caught with you know hundreds of pounds of, of weed. So there are extreme cases and there are some that are like you know the stuff that people are you know are is legal today is the kind of stuff that some of these guys got deported for have you seen an increase in these kinds of deportations no one of the things that i've seen is that it's decreasing and the reason it's decreasing is because uh the military again is doing a better job at making sure they become citizens uh they're you know the military has also over the years it's 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 evolved into just making sure that it takes better better care of its soldiers. So uh, currently you won't see too many Afghanistan uh, guys coming back from Afghanistan or current generation vets. Uh, you're going to see a lot of older uh, older veterans like Vietnam era uh, Gulf War vets that have already been through the system and, you know, they didn't go through the process of citizenship and stuff like that. So that's that's the only thing that I'm seeing. There's no... Really, I wouldn't say there's an increase. The only increase, or really the only reason we're finding out about more veterans is because nobody knew that this was this existed. So uh, I get contacted by guys that have been deported for 10 years, 15 years, you know, 20 years. So uh, that's the only thing that I'm seeing is that because we exist now, there's other people that say, well, wait a minute, you know, I, I got deported also. Now, recently you met with a congressman. Uh, what did they tell you when... Where do you think the situation is going to go? Well, uh, one of the things that, that they said is, you know, you, you these guys did commit crimes, but they shouldn't have to pay twice. When other, that was one comment. The other one is we don't we don't condone, uh, you know, crimes. We don't condone people committing crimes. But again, these guys shouldn't have to pay twice and for the rest of their lives being deported. And the only return, they could, the only way we could return is in a body bag. 
And if we have an honorable discharge, we could be buried with full military honor. So uh, one of the things that I saw is that they are reaching out to other congressional uh, uh, representatives. Uh, recently, uh, my congresswoman, who was uh, district congresswoman, new- newly elected Nanette Berrigan, she was here that weekend, and she was actually addressing uh, General Kelly, who's uh, secretary of DHS, about deported veterans. So they are going out there and trying to bring awareness and trying to you know, get the ball rolling. Uh, last year we had 18 co-sponsors on one of the bills, uh, and this year we're at 51 as, 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 as you know, today right now. So uh, I think things are progressing, and uh, I don't think everybody will be. I would like everybody to go home, but I think uh, only a certain amount of vets will get to go home. And they're going to be the bills that are being introduced are very conservative. Like you know, if you only committed certain crimes, did a certain amount of time, and that's just uh, how politics work. But we feel that. We should leave no man behind, not even in the battlefield or when they return back and they have issues. They're still our veterans regardless of, you know, what kind of crimes they have committed. And just talk to me a little bit about where you are now. Obviously, as you await these decisions, you await Congress or, you know, other bodies to act. Um, where are you guys specifically? I know Tijuana, but um, you have a center down there for other people, uh, for other veterans in your condition. Sure. So we have right now veterans being deported to 40 countries. Uh, I have guys in Turkey, Bosnia, Canada, Germany, uh, a lot of uh, Dominicans, Jamaicans, uh, guys to South America, West Africa. Uh, And uh, right now, one of the things that we're doing with them is we're working on their VA benefits. So we've been successful in getting VA pensions, compensations for the veterans. We've been able to get pardons from the uh, state of California from Governor Jerry Brown. I was actually one of the people that got a part. So I, as of today, I don't have a criminal record anymore. So uh, I'm, I've been in the process of citizenship for a year and a half, and I'm actually uh, probably days away, if not weeks away, from finding out if I can return or not. So we're just kind of like treading water with right. <laughs> everything that I say, and, and you know, because there's a lot of legal stuff involved, and you know. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, I'll get an opportunity to go home and. And, and uh, do my best. I don't think making mistakes makes me less American. I think the fact that uh, I'm willing to die for this country and, and, and I served uh, should make, I believe that makes me you know, American enough, I guess. <laughs> well said, Hector. Uh, where can we find out more information on the plight of the deported veterans? Sure, they can go to deportedveteranssupporthouse.org or just uh, look us up on Facebook, Deported Veterans Support House. And I think uh, you, you mentioned something very important is that there needs to be a, mo- a lot more awareness. So if there are guys that are going through the process, because some of us may never return, I, I include myself, if we never return, at the very least, we can change the laws so that they stop the deportations or that the military implements a better, better programs to making sure that people are made aware of the citizenship, that it's not automatic, there has, there's a process to it, and so that they don't, they don't end up like us, like us, like us, like us. While Hector Barajas and the other deported veterans await a change in their situation, their hope lies in the hands of their elected officials in Congress. Connecting Vets reporter Matt Saintsing recently spoke with Representative Nanette Diaz-Barragan about what she's doing in Congress to try to help these veterans. Why did you make this trip to visit the bunker in Tijuana, Mexico on Monday? I think it was important to go visit those who've served our country and have since been deported to one, provide the emotional support, but to hear their stories so that I could come back to talk about their stories and I go to my colleagues in Congress and make sure that we do something to change the situation. 
These are veterans who put their lives on the line and deserve to live in this country, which they fought for. She seemed to have a real understanding about how these veterans got where they are today. There's a lot of different scenarios. Uh, when somebody enlists for the service, uh, they could apply for citizenship. They could apply mm-hmm. uh, to, for, to do a number of things. And depending on what happened between the time they served and the time they were deported, it could be anything such as, um, give, I'll give you an example. You were sent to war and you came home with PTSD. And all of a sudden now, uh, because of the PTSD, you may have a substance abuse problem and you get caught and all of a sudden that becomes a grounds to deport you. And so somebody may be deported for that. But there are a lot of uh, instances where we have uh, people who go and serve. Uh, they come back with some problems, some ailment, and as a result, uh, we'll have some conviction. They go and they do their time and then they get deported. And so they're punished twice for the crimes, once in prison and then again with deportation. Is there a pathway to citizenship? I remember when I was in basic training, I I had uh, colleagues of mine that uh, became U.S. citizens through basic training or through through the military service. Is that no longer an option? It is, but it's a very lengthy process. So people have to apply to be a legal permanent resident first, and that has a lot of obstacles. And sometimes people can't even uh, pass through those requirements while they're in the service because they're moving around. Mm. Uh, There are so many different requirements that are that are there. And so that becomes an obstacle, something that actually we're working to try to remove uh, through legislation. But simply passing a law that would help these veterans is way harder than it sounds. After you become a legal permanent resident, you can still uh, be deported if you commit uh, one of these crimes that makes you inadmissible. And that could be something like a drug offense, as I just mentioned. Um, It could be something that's a result of your service. It could be something Mm -hmm. a result of PTSD. And so there are pathways to citizenship. Unfortunately, it's one is not enough of our veterans are being told about all their options. And two, the process is very lengthy. Now, does it make any sense? It doesn't make any sense to me that you can pick up a weapon, you can go fight overseas, and you could be killed, and you immediately get citizenship. You have to come back in a body bag to get it. I say if you pick up a weapon and you fight for this country, you should immediately get citizenship. And that's how it should be. You know, if you are deported, some of these veterans that are deported in Mexico, once they die, the government will fly them back to the country here in the States and will bury them with full military honors. The message is you've got to come back in a body bag and it shouldn't be that. Yeah, you, and I think that's where there needs to be awareness and there needs to be change. For sure. Because we have to give these veterans the respect they deserve. If they were willing to put their life on the line, they should be allowed to live in this country and get all the benefits all the veterans get, including health care and treatment. And uh, these are things that they're being deprived of now uh, when they are deported. Is there anything that can be done at the federal level? You mentioned through legislation. Is there a bill? Is there a bipartisan initiative to help out uh, some of these deported veterans? Well, the great news for Hector is because he's getting a pardon from the from the governor and he has received that pardon, he now qualifies to apply for citizenship. So he's in the process of applying for citizenship. We have written a letter of recommendation of support urging that he be accepted as a citizen so that he could reunite with his family. He has a, a, a daughter, 10, 11 years old here, who he doesn't get to see. And uh, we believe he's a great candidate to 
get citizenship and bring him back to the country that he served and fought for. The pardon made that possible. There is uh, other options we could seek in Congress, which is something I'm looking to do right now. And some of my colleagues also have legislation on trying to help our deported veterans. Some of them would allow them the opportunity to come home. Um, I would like to see automatic citizenship for those veterans who have picked up a weapon to serve in combat and to streamline the process uh, so that they can be on a quick path to citizenship. And what about veterans who have not received pardons for their crimes? Well, we're fighting for them. That's why we're trying to get legislation passed. The unfortunate part is the way that the laws are written now, if you've committed a certain type of crime, uh, even something that's drug-related, that's non-offense, that's non-violent, uh, that could be grounds for inadmissibility. And we can either change those rules or we need to make sure that there are protections for veterans. I mean, when you think about this, and you think about the men and women who serve and go overseas, put themselves into harm's way. Sometimes uh, the, their experience is the underlying cause of the offense that's committed. People come back, I know, my brother-in-law served and never came home the same. And it's an unfortunate situation and we have to make sure to take care of our veterans. This sounds to me like it's almost two different bills. There's one that needs to be providing for the deported veterans, and then there's another one that seemingly would streamline the citizenship process within the military. Do you see this as two different bills? I think it's going to be more than one piece of legislation. And there are there is existing bills out there that my colleagues have put out to address those who have been deported and are currently um, were, de- were already deported. And I think that is uh, those are bills that we have signed on to and have looked at uh, members like uh, Rural Grijalva and Ruben Gallego and Juan Vargas and Joaquin Castro. This is not a new issue, um, but we need to make sure that we are continuing the fight until we get the protections we need. So it's been a week or so since we talked to the Congresswoman and Matt and I sitting here. Hello, Matt. Hi. Where is this gone? You cover Capitol Hill every day. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any movement on these bills? So right now, uh, there's doesn't seem to be a whole lot of traction on these bills. The one that has its most uh, chance of success would be a bipartisan initiative called the Enlist Act. It has 198 co-sponsors. The only piece of legislation that have Democrat and Republican support. It's been referred to the Veteran Affairs Committee and the Armed Services Committee right now, so it's still waiting for a, a debate to be put forth on the floor. But that's the one that would just simply help streamline the process of people going getting forward. citizenship while they're serving. Correct. Going forward, it would not deal with the with the, the current issues that deported veterans have in Tijuana. And it wouldn't change any of the crimes on the list. Correct. That- Correct. It would just make sure it would just make certain. So if you're a military recruit and if you came here uh, before the age of 15 and you're eligible to serve in the military service, you there will be a guaranteed path for citizenship. Wow. Yeah. Does it discuss at all? Well, I guess it doesn't because it's mm-hmm. just a bill right now. It hasn't even been heard by the committee. Correct. So Correct. It's still in those early stages. So for the guys awaiting a decision mm-hmm. or some judgment yeah. on their case. Yeah. Some of whom have been deported for 10, 20, 30 years right. now. Yeah. It does not look like this situation will be solved anytime soon. Correct. Unfortunately. 
vexing issue that I know has a lot of layers to it that aren't always easy to figure out. Yeah. But um, as you continue to cover Capitol Hill, will you keep us updated and uh, will you come back and share Absolutely. with us an update? We will keep tracking this issue down and figure it out. Despite the fact that this legislation doesn't sound like it's soon to be fast-tracked, it hasn't diminished the faith of Hector Barajas. Hopefully, uh, you know, I'll get an opportunity to go home and and, and uh, do my best. I don't think making mistakes makes me less American. I think the fact that uh, I'm willing to die for this country and, and, and I served uh, should make, I believe that makes me, you know, American enough, I guess. Though the outcome of any of this is uncertain, the mission of this deported veteran is clear. Because some of us may never return, I, I include myself. If we never return, at the very least, we can change the laws. has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.